Welcome to a talk from St Saviour's Sunbury. We hope you enjoy it. Hello. Oh, you're awake. That's good. It's always a good sign. The band have got a quiz after this talk because they've already heard it once. Just check you were paying attention. Um, so my name's Rowena, for those of you that don't know me, and I work here at St. Saviour's, um, and I look after evangelism and discipleship. Um, so I'm going to start by asking you, and um, in Bruce Forsyth Starley, I hope you're much better than last week, because they were rubbish at the 9.15. What is our vision? Okay, what I heard was... As far as I'm aware, that isn't our vision. What is our vision? Let's hear it loud and clear. Well done, that was much better, class. Yes, it is indeed radically transforming lives in the love and power of Jesus. And the reason we keep telling you that is because knowing the vision of the church that you attend is quite important. So what does it look like to be radically transformed in the love and power of Jesus? That's what I was asking myself. What does it look like? So I'd like you to shout out things that you think. What would somebody look like if they were being radically transformed in the love and power of Jesus? Really? That's great. Thanks. Anyone else? Happy. Happy, she said. Unconditional, like they're filled with unconditional love. Anybody else? That they're changing. I heard that. Someone said something else as well. Peaceful. Peaceful and like they're changing. Yeah, the words I had were that maybe their behavior changes. Um, they might feel closer to Jesus. Maybe their job would change. Uh, their passions might change. What they were passionate about before might be different now. They may, for some people, start to believe they're loved. And I was thinking about all of that as I prepared for this talk. And I wondered, I was thinking about the people who are, that I've seen who are being radically transformed. And what is the common denominator in those people? Have I seen anything? And the only thing I could come up with was that I noticed that their behavior was changing, exactly as somebody shouted out. That's what was changing, their behavior. And because, you see, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. I said it again correctly. If you always do what you've always done, you always get what you've always got. Do you understand what that means? Yeah. And how many of us expect our lives to change, but we don't actually do anything different to provoke the change? We just kind of keep going round and round in circles going, why, Lord, why hasn't my life changed? And he's up there going, well, did you do anything different? No, that might be why. It's like we wish God had a big magic wand and he'd just go, bing, Tracy sorted. Wouldn't that bit, wouldn't it, bit, wouldn't it? Hands up who would really like that if it was true. See, the rest of them are fine. It's only us lot. No, they'd like to carry on in misery for as long as possible, please, Lord. I'd like that. But you see, radical transformation is not an event. It's a process. So how do we partake 
in radical transformation of love, the power of Jesus. I can't even say it now. I've said it so many times. Because that's what it is. It's us partaking in it. We have to choose it and we have to get involved in it. And we can't always choose our circumstances. But we can choose to partake in Jesus' desire to radically transform us back to the person we're really meant to be. I believe the answer was the same as what Abby was talking about last week. And if you haven't heard her sermon, go listen to it. It was awesome. And she was talking about the Bible being the Word of God. And I believe that's where the answer lies, that in reading our Bible every day. In Hebrews 4.12, it says, For the Word of God is alive and powerful and sharper than the two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. I'm just going to put that down. So my large print version takes up the whole stand because I'm so blind. The word of God is alive and powerful. Thank you, Lord. It's alive and powerful despite what the, word se- the world says. It's the only thing that can cut between our soul and our spirit, between joint and marrow. How beautiful are those words, that the Word of God can go right down into our soul. And I suppose the first step to that is actually understanding and believing that the Bible is God's Word. And you need to look no further than the longest prayer that Jesus prays. It was in one of my Bible readings this week. And it's John 17. In verse 17, he says, Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. The NIV version says, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. So Jesus himself said that God's word is truth. It provides divine counsel, not human counsel. Selwyn Hughes, who is the man who wrote the the, um, wonderful uh, word for the day thing that I do every day, Um, was a Christian speaker for 40 years. I said earlier, I think he must be dead, judging by this quote, but is he? Someone's, no, he is dead. No, does it matter? No, never mind. But, so he he has written all these, and someone else has collaborated to continue with this word. And he said this quote, and I think it's awesome. Since my birth in 1928, and over a lifetime of many decades, I have studied different disciplines, such as engineering, theology, and psychology. And I have been exposed to human wisdom almost as much as anyone. However, I have come to the conclusion that the most important thing we need is God's truth, his yes and his no, his guidance and his wisdom. The Bible is true truth and can be depended upon it to never change. When it says it's true today, what it says is true today will be true tomorrow, just as it was yesterday. Everything I have ever accomplished of eternal value in life has been because of this marvelous book. This is my testimony. I hope it's your testimony too. I just love that because that's what he's been teaching me over the last few years. Reading the Bible allows God to reach down into our inner soul and speak to us, to change us, to heal us, to love us, and yes, sometimes to correct us. And I'm going to use, I'm going to talk about being a parent because that's the analogy that came into my head. As a parent, I didn't bring up my children to do just whatever they liked. There were boundaries. 
There were right ways to do things explained to them and wrong ways. Why were there boundaries though? Why did we explain the right and the wrong way to go? Because that is what was good for them. Because we wanted to keep them safe. Because we love them and that's what love looks like. We are training this week about effective line management. And I said, to be honest, it was just like going on a parenting course again. That's exactly what it was like, positive parenting. It was all about helping the other person to grow and thrive. And the boundaries we gave our children were because we loved them enough to help them navigate through childhood with knowledge and boundaries. Ron and I are still working on the wisdom part. We're doing a more of a share-as-you-go situation. <laughs> we learn it, we share it. Um, and that's how God feels about us. He loves us so much that he wants us to be in relationship with him so that he can guide us and radically transform our lives in the love and power of Jesus. And if you don't believe me, just look at this picture. How cute is that baby? Let me hear. Oh, It is, isn't it? But that reaction that we have when we look at that baby, or we look at John's baby who sat over there, or Nyasha who's gone to sleep, that's how God feels when he looks at us. He has that reaction. He looks at us as just like a parent looks at their baby. Eyes that hold a love like no other, in wonderment, with tears of joy in his eyes. And sometimes he looks at us with sadness too. You see, he wants to radically transform us in the love and power of Jesus because when we are radically transformed, we go out and allow him to do the same through us for others. And I love the passage in Romans 10. Verse 14 of 15, it says, But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in them unless they have heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless somebody tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, How beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring the good news. And the good news is in the Bible. If we don't know it, we can't share it. It's his word and we need it for direction to be sent out. And as Abby's quote last week from 2 Timothy 3 said, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Ron taught us in staff team last week that the word inspire comes from the Latin word in spirito, which means to be full of the spirit. And I never knew that before then. Did you? Did you know that inspiration and to inspire means full of the spirit? It's like, whoa, hands up who now wants to be inspired and wants to be an inspiration. I do. We, when this is demonstrated very beautifully at Thursday Church, at Thursday Church, we don't really plan, we really ask the Spirit to lead us. And often people afterwards will come to me in floods of tears going, you're so lovely. And I go, no, I'm not. I'm really not. It is Jesus that makes me lovelier. 
I, as a human, I told you before, is in requires improvement. But when you, I always pray when I speak that you'll hear God's voice, not mine. Because his voice is beautiful and it reaches your soul like nothing else can. That's what in spirito means to me, that we're operating in his spirit. And the Bible helps the spirit to dwell in us. It's, it's God's breathed, if you like. It helps the spirit reach our joints and marrow and the depths of our soul. He uses it to prepare and equip his people to do all the good work, just like the bit in Romans, to help us become messengers of the good news. So if the Bible can do this in us, then why don't we read it? It's a bit of an awkward silence, isn't it? But I'm just going to leave it hanging there. Why don't we read it? And I think it's because we find it hard. It takes real obedience to read, the, to read the Bible every day, to stick at it when we don't like it. We don't like what it says. We don't get it. It's hard. It's a bit, oh. And I think for some people, it's because of the last line in the Bible verse that I was talking about in Hebrews. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. I think it's exactly because it goes deep into our soul, and by doing that, exposes our innermost thoughts, which include our weaknesses and our sin. And we find it hard to face those things sometimes. It's like holding a mirror up, and that's a bit painful, isn't it? And it's actually a difficult sentence to say if you're preaching, because it's not meant to condemn people. God doesn't condemn people but he does convict people through his word. And why does he do that? Why does he want to reach deep down in our soul and root out all that difficult stuff? Because he loves us. Because he doesn't want our lives to be blighted or held back by that stuff. Because he knows it's good for us. So I've been on a bit of a journey recently, as always, that about dealing with stuff that comes at me. You know, and if we have this stuff in us, if someone comes along and inadvertently pokes at it, it hurts. And we go, I don't know what to do with that. So I started going to um, Christian counseling recently to help me to deal with the stuff. And um, in my head, I described it as if you have a splinter, a splinter in you, you take the splinter out. But sometimes an invisible piece can be left behind. And then the place where the splinter was becomes inflamed. You know, and you think, what's wrong with that? And left untreated, it then spreads throughout your body. It can spread like an infection. An infection can be there. But the tiny thing you removed, you think, how can something that small cause that much problem in us? Because it can when left untreated. And it's God's word. That's why he wants to reach through to our very, very soul so that he can remove that final bit of splinter that somebody else has left there or hurt you with or spoken over you or something that happened to you. Because God's word washes over us like a wave on the beach. Every time the wave comes to the beach, it cleans the sand and goes back out. And that's what his word does. If we're reading it for long enough, it goes over, and our mind becomes full of his word, 
more than the stuff we believe about ourselves, that tiny piece of splinter left. And it's hard. It's hard work going to face that. It's particularly hard sharing it with you today on the anniversary of my beautiful daughter's birth because we're filled with thankfulness today, filled with joy at what God did. But you've still got the memories of how it came to be. But I don't know any other way to preach than to preach from a place of where I am because that's all I have to share. And God uses that in all of us. Wherever we are, however less than we feel, he comes into that place and he, he says, share, share it with other people. If you're teaching your child to ride a bike, you don't just tell them to give up when they fall off the first time. They don't fall down and you go, oh, do you know what, that's so hard, just don't bother anymore. Don't bother. You've tried it once, that's it, it's enough. Or when the child is going, my knee hurts, I don't like it, you don't just let them give up. What do you say as a parent? You go, get back up. Try again, because in doing that, you're encouraging them to persevere so that they will learn the skill of riding the bike. You remind them that there are stabilizers there and they don't have to do this on their own. Those stabilizers will remain there until they're ready to fly themselves. And like I mentioned at the beginning, it's a process that happens, not an event. So children don't just learn how to ride a bike, they learn about themselves and they learn so much more in the process of falling off and getting back up again. They learn to trust the stabilizers. But if we didn't teach them to keep going, even though it's hard, they would miss out on all the joy. The joy of cycling for the first time without stabilizers. The joy of the wind in their hair the joy of achieving something themselves, the joy of freedom on the bike, and the joy of community with their friends who can already ride a bike. That's why God wants us to read the Bible, even when it's hard, so we can learn and grow and stay close to him. Can you put the other picture up for me, Ethel? Thanks. And he is even left stabilizers in the form of the Holy Spirit for us. We're never alone when we read the Bible or we listen to the Bible. He's always with us and we can call on him to help us with understanding. That picture is just so beautiful. There's darkness behind, but God's word as it's opened up and revelation comes is pushing out the darkness. It pushes out your human thoughts. And in his word is light. I found that picture on the internet. I just thought, how beautiful. By pushing into his word, you're allowing the light to come. But with anything, we have to make a choice. We can choose to follow our feelings. It's hard. I don't like it. It reaches my core. It hurts. I don't like it. Or we can choose to read it in obedience, knowing and trusting in his word, remembering that he only has plans to prosper us and not to harm us. 
In Deuteronomy 4, verse 1 to 2, it says, And now, Israel, listen carefully to these decrees and regulations that I'm about to teach you. Obey them so that you may live, so you may enter and occupy the land that the Lord, the God of your ancestors, is giving you. Do not add or subtract from these commands I'm giving you. Just obey the commands of the Lord, your God, that I'm giving you. Obey them so you may live. Obedience leads to life. A life lived to the full, not a restricted life. I know a lie a lot of us believe is that obedience is actually controlling or boring or it's not us thinking for ourselves. But I can only share mine with you that the minute I made the decision to be obedient and get up every day and read the Bible, it started a transformation in me that no therapy or anything else had ever been able to touch. Obey them so you may live. How interesting that it also says do not add or subtract from them. We like to do that, don't we? We like to just take bits of the Bible out, go, it's not relevant today. Let's, we've moved on. We've moved on. No, we haven't. If any of you are doing read scripture, it is blatantly obvious to all of us, we haven't moved on at all. We are blatantly worshipping gods that are not to do with our God. And it may not be quite as obvious as the whole temple, Baal, Ashrash pole thing, but we have plenty of things we are worshipping that are not God. So we people have not moved on. And the Bible is the word for, it means the same today as it did yesterday as it will tomorrow. Obey them so you may live. How can we obey them if we don't read them? How can we live if we don't read and obey them? How can we be radically transformed in the love and power of Jesus if we don't have a deep relationship with God? How can we go and radically transform lives in the love and power of Jesus if we don't know what that looks like? So for me, I think radical transformation looks like obedience to God's word because that is the only thing that is radically transforming me and I don't know how else to share that with you. So how do we do that? We're all looking for the quick fix, aren't we, in life? And it isn't quick. It's a lifetime's work reading the Bible. And it's not rocket science. You have to actually read it. It starts with us making time and space every day to read or listen to the Bible. We may have to give something up. We may have to give up Facebook or Instagram. We might have to give up a TV program we like. We might have to give up sleep and get up early and say, I'll get up early because actually I realize that Bible's going to refresh my soul than that extra half hour in bed. Join us in the community of read scripture that we're all doing. And know you have a family around you who are doing it too who are also going, I don't get it. It's hard. I can't stick out. It. it just seems like a load of kings doing everything wrong right now. That's where we are now. It's like, but do you know what? By the time you get to 2 Kings 22 and 23, you're going to see God's beauty because you saw the rest. Because you saw the rest, you'll get to there and you'll go, oh my goodness, but you'll miss it if you don't. If you skip it because it's too hard and you don't get it, you'll miss the beauty when you reach 2 Kings 22 and 23, where King Josiah comes and does his whole heart in. Not a bit of it. All of it. So we don't always get it, and it is hard, but it is good. The Word of God is good. 
Try the UCB word for today. Bob Gasman, he's genius. He just, if I need stuff for my sermon, in you go. He's a great bloke. But don't do nothing. Don't do nothing because if you always do what you've always done, you're always going to get what you've always got, which is a load of worldly wisdom that at the end of the day means nothing. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. So I'm going to finish by showing you a testimony of someone whose life is being radically transformed in the love and power of Jesus because she made a decision to not do what she'd always done and get what she'd always got. She made a decision to allow God to take the reins of her life and now she's partaking in the process of radically transforming her life in the love and power of Jesus. So just watch this video. Hi, my name's... Serena, um, I first came into St Saviour's, uh, I don't know what brought me in, I lost my daughter at two days old. I came into a coffee morning, um, the way I felt, I felt like I'd come home. Um, I was baptised, and when I came, I felt like I had a black hole of despair in my chest that was sucking everything out of me. Um, when I got baptised, I, I prayed. I prayed to Jesus, I prayed to the Lord. And it was like he showed me the black hole of despair, but then filled it with the most beautiful light. And since then, the grief that I felt after losing my daughter, um, at one point was overwhelming and all-consuming. Um, but now, now I don't get consumed. He's, he, it's almost like Jesus took my grief. Although it's still there, he took the majority of it so that I don't have to carry it anymore. Um, he's brought me to life, brought me back to life. I never thought I'd be whole again. Um, and I am, and I feel better. And the love that I felt from him in that moment was so overwhelming that I don't think any human could carry that kind of love 24 hours a day. Just to have felt it for a moment was overwhelming. And I, I can't tell you what a difference he has made in my life. I sing at Thursday Church now. I want to bring people to him. I want them to, I want them to know how, what he can do for you and, and how he can help you in your life. With, with pain and grief and he really does carry it for you. Um, and, and I will worship him for as long as I live. Um, I'm done, okay. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. She's awesome. And she fought it every step of the way. She, didn't even, she wasn't even down to be baptised. And she was angry and hurting and something, she just took that step. And through being baptized, she allowed God to come in. She allowed him to come in. And she's now started that process of allowing herself to be radically transformed in the love and power of Jesus. And through that, her daughter's come in and given her life to Jesus. And now her husband has come in and he allowed us to pray for him and he said something was lifted 
from him in that moment. And now we're pointing back to the Word because the Word of God can cut right deep down. So I don't know what has touched you today. Maybe something I've said has made you sad or it's made you angry or it's filled you with joy. I don't know. Your faces are hard to read. (laughs) Funnily enough, I'm processing faces look exactly the same as I want to kill you faces. It's very encouraging. So as we go into a time of worship now, to come to an end in our service, I would love it if you would get prayer. Don't do that British thing of bringing it all to church with you, hearing it, and then going, it's not for me because my problem is too big or my problem is too small or she doesn't really mean me because God does mean you. He looks at you, each and every one of you, and thinks you're beautiful and perfect, just like that baby was. So if you've brought something with you, then just come and get prayer during the song before you go. And I just pray that you will leave and start that process of being radically transformed in the love and power of Jesus. For more information about St Saviour's, please visit www.stsaviourssummary.org.uk.